this is not the opening. This is a test. This is just, this is just a tribute. Ew. <laughs> mm. I think I think tribute might be the only uh, Tenacious D song that I a know and b like. So. Oh, yeah, well, it's a pretty good song. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just the the the, the devil in the video was pretty neat. Uh, that there was a uh, Dave Grohl. Did you know that? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's co- good. Little cosplay. Yeah. All right. And once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern, and then you go on into some action. Hey, you're listening to Everyone Sucks Here. I'm, I'm Brian. And I'm Jerome, and Brian's gonna keep his voice up the whole time. Yeah, I'm gonna sit close to the mic too. We're gonna try to and keep noises like that to a minimum. Um, we are actually sitting in a very cramped, uh, small half circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it is more cramped than usual because we have another person here. Hello. <laughs> He's all the way on a mountain apparently. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hello, hi. Shouting to us from on high. We're oh. here with uh, the good boy Jims. Yes. AKA. Max, say it, say it. Give us the whole. Give us the How whole Spanish. You give the full name. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, Maximiliano. Try to try to say it like with more accent. Ah, oh, fuck. Maximiliano. Yeah, you're doing Good Italian. Well, isn't that? Didn't <laughs> you have the Italian? It's Maximiliano. Oh. So like SS. Uh, yeah, that's right. Masi. 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 Right. So you did it. Hit us with the full Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's yeah. That's the energy that we'll have today. It sure is. Believe it or not, Max is our friend. <laughs> Get ready to turn your volume up and down uh, throughout the podcast. Yeah, it's all right. You just come with that energy. It's just Brian says. You can edit. Brian said Max is our friend. What was the first thing Max asked when he walked into the room? Uh, he asked if uh. Jerome was still mad at him. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And you guys get mad at each other a bit. It's kind of cute. You have little, like, um, tips. We're a bickering couple. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. Cute. Mm-hmm. What a word. <laughs> what a word. So, Anyways. Yeah. For everyone that doesn't know, um, the world is uh, currently on fire. Actually, physically, <laughs> yeah, literally, more like, than literally in a real way. Uh, so I guess that's like the c- one current event that sort of changed since the last time we recorded. Obviously, shit's still going hard with Corona. The police are still out here fucking, you know, violating on people. And uh, the newest plot twist to 2020 and uh, our like Dungeons of Dragons, like quest level difficulties that just keep emerging is wildfire season is in full effect from the West Coast on in. Colorado. The El Dorado fire is burning east of Los Angeles. It is one of two major fires in the area. So far, more than 3.4 million acres have burned in California. That's not just the United States. Uh, Australia also is extremely Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How fucking, you know, American of me to just think about the United (laughs) States, too. Yeah, like, most of the world, like, the Southern Hemisphere is on fire, too. I think now, like, people are having, like, there's a thing called fire season. Mm -hmm. Now places have fucking, like, I remember when I lived in Guam, there was rainy and dry season and now california has fire season yeah there used to be controlled burns and then i think those were like outlawed uh not 
not too far in the past. Well, that's just because because uh, you forest rangers need to do we need to be better at your job. Right. Yeah. So while we'll completely defund the parks, <laughs> the parks and forestry service, like in the country too, yeah. but do better. But do better. Do better. What What did Trump blame it on? I saw some headline of something like Trump. That's That's what he said. He yeah. said, you guys better do your jobs better. But that was it. He said a bunch of things. Like, I think, like, a couple years ago, he blamed it on um, them not, like, raking the forest floors <laughs> <Yeah>. enough. <laughs> Gotta take care of the floors, you know, the floors of the forest. I was with the president of Finland, and he said, and they spent a lot of time raking and cleaning, and they don't have any problems. You know, and, like, that being a huge problem. Um, Just need bigger rakes. Yeah. Now, I gleaned from talking to one of my parents, who are kind of, like, right-wing um there's a little like uh, myth out there that the reason it, things are out of control is because of um, like people living illegally in in like the mountains or whatever. What? Yeah, I don't know. Are they trying to say that like bum fires? Yeah. Started this shit? <laughs> yeah, more Cause, or less. Because there's more evidence pointing to gender yes! than there yeah. are bum fires. Yeah, it's actually it's actually uh, upper middle class white people with pyrotechnics to reveal the, um, the gender, gender of the baby. Gender Ooh. is violent. It is. <laughs> Literally burning down nature. That's nuts. And uh, apparently Mexico has sent over firefighters. Right, because they only send their best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, I don't know. How you feel, America? Yeah. I, don't, I wonder, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but the Mexican government tried to send first responders and like, like military special forces for search and rescue ops after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And we turned them away. This was this was uh, Bush, Bush, right? Yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six, one of those years. But yeah, we they like came. They were ready to help. They were ready to go like take their little swift boats down like the flooded streets in New Orleans and shit and look for people. And they were just like, nah, they'll make us look bad. We're not going to win. Politics, people, classic. Yeah, Yeah. classic. Yeah. Yeah. That Max is already picking up with the theme of this oh, podcast. Yeah. Max is like, uh, he's my god. I'm uh, a SJW cuck. He really is. Yeah. Uh, no, he's means. his his energy is all over the fucking place. <laughs> whatever, and somehow he manages to. I don't know. He listens to like talk stuff. Whenever we get in his car and the fucking radio is on, it's on some talk show. NPR. I like. Uh, I was. I only listen yeah. to NPR. Psst. Yeah. I. They've yeah. gone to the right in recent years. They I have, feel like. but I think that's one advantage as far as just like. Like, it, I don't think you should grab your political beliefs from it, but it gives you a very diverse perspective as far as, like... Because if you're only listening to leftist news, then you only know what leftists are saying. So, yeah. if you hear what the centrists are saying, then it's kind of like you get an insight to that. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, so you're hitting the, the whole echo chamber, echo chamber argument. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously... I mean, I'm not going to listen to, like, Rush Limbaugh. But, n- no. Yeah. But then how will you know what the far right is thinking, Max? Well, to some degree, I'm, well, that's why I, I don't unfriend people on Facebook. Oh, yeah, good point. So, Jesus Christ, yeah. no chance. I mean, you just gotta watch those little, like, bird brains on real time in your timelines. Just putting out the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Hypothesizing on their own. Well, I, I don't reject friend requests on Facebook, unless if it's obviously a fake one. Mm-hmm. So I think I have something like 2,000 friends. Whoa! <laughs> 2,000 uh, friends! But a lot of them are people I don't know. And, oh, like, yeah. uh... And, yeah, so some people that, like, are somehow know my family or something, and... A lot of them are like very far right. Even like one dude that's like a evangelical pastor, like preacher, and uh, 
a lot of conspiracy theories and like I just troll them and like I don't know why they don't delete me but uh so I, so so why can't you get all, all your trolling energy for people who deserve it yeah why do you gotta like bring it to your friends to my Facebook friends <laughs> oh, no okay. you're, you're trolling oh I, I troll everyone I'm just uh I, I don't like snowflakes <laughs> see I am a snowflake but I don't like snowflakes yeah mm. speaking of uh Snowflakes. I had a friend in Colorado going back to the fires um, who was saying that uh, last early last week, fires on either side of Denver, which is where she lived. Mm. And then um, as of like maybe three days ago, they, they dipped down to like 35 degrees and had like genuine snowfall as like yeah. fires are burning <laughs> on like either side of the Rockies. Um, the price that looks cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it looks like yeah, that kind of pretty photos. apocalyptic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Uh, yep. And then there's the other half of the country, uh, on the East coast over here and like, and especially around the Gulf, just getting hammered by hurricanes. Yeah. Well, I got a text message this morning from my brother who lives in Pensacola. Uh, he and his dog were, uh, hiding in the closet to avoid the storm. Yeah. And, uh, my initial reaction was uh, like it usually is, is to like judge somebody for their decisions. I wanted to say to him like, well, what are you living in Florida for? But on a personal level, I'm trying to eliminate this whole um, told you so or yeah. you should know better thing because like it really fucking helps nobody and it only makes shit worse. So instead I said, oh man, that sucks. I hope you're safe. Right. Now, that's a that's normal person's response. My brand, everybody changes their brand. We're speaking in this episode about rebranding mm-hmm. and if I'm not willing to rebrand myself, then how can I expect other people to rebrand themselves? That's true. And I, my contribution to this uh, dialogue is that like... We shouldn't really penalize people for moving to areas where, you know, there's hurricanes or like earthquakes or wildfire seasons and stuff like that. We should just maybe have a more well-organized state to deal with those problems um, and to take care of people. Because like Cuba gets rocked by hurricanes all the time. They don't put up the numbers that we do Hmm. like in terms of damages or deaths. So like it's not because they're richer, you know, so what's the deal there, right? I I love that as a metric of like third world country and like... non-developed countries as much as like the right light likes to talk about oh, Cuba yeah. as being non-developed yeah when it, it's as a metric like how do you even measure that like uh, yeah I don't yeah, know as far as like their response to, to natural disasters they're right. much better at that yeah you uh, measure a state by how well it takes care of its people yeah right? rather than GDP right which, yeah so yeah. who gives a fuck if the United States is like the richest nation in the history of the world like we can't take care of the the weakest among us, so that means our society is weak. How developed are we? I mean, in the terms of like the private sector, pretty fucking developed, but in yeah. terms of like the everyday people, not so much. Like you? Like me. Like all of us, really, but hmm. definitely worse. There are definitely people further down the ladder than us as well. So, another update, not completely a cap to the story. There's still more, but there was a little bit of a bright spot in the Breonna Taylor. Case. Mm, you did the homework on this one. Yeah, but if by homework you mean I was on Snapchat yeah. and it showed me a thing and I said, "All right, I know something now." Family got some money. Always a good thing, you right? Know, but mental anguish, suffering doesn't bring Brown Taylor back. Doesn't bring her back, and then Certainly. the cops still aren't convicted. Right, but family got some money. So, right, like in this case, I was just reading headlines. I've been busy. Yeah. But, uh, did. Was the payout from the police department or was it from the city? City or? of Louisville. Okay. So it's really the taxpayers. taxpayers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah, that's how that works. Like, and it's usually how it goes is like uh, most police brutality cases are like settled by the city, which means that the taxpayers pay for them. God damn. So they brutalize yeah. us 
and then one of us gets to like gets put in that I call them like lottery positions where they just have a chance to like really yeah. make some money off this like hmm. mishap, right? And then we foot the bill for it, not the police department. Gosh, when people talk about taxes and like the taxpayers pay for that, I could be paying for anything right now and I'll yeah. never know and I will certainly never care. Yeah, and it's an increasing trend in the United States is where our taxes go more towards like, you know, shit like that than to like infrastructure yeah. and all those big words that you probably use. Yeah, all those ones that I was just about to fire off. Bike lanes. But, yeah. Bike, yeah, we get bike lanes. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much everything that's going on in the world. Trump is continuing to lose his shit. Kamala Harris touched down in California today wearing fucking kick-ass Tims. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right? I'm voting she for gonna her. She's going to go stomp some fires out? She's going to yeah. vote. Dude, I would lick those bitches. I would lick those Tims. Y'all get mad because Kamala got swag, and the swag is going to get her to the White House. I, it's <laughs> a complete stunt. I can't even believe that people were focusing on it. But I guess when, you know, your politics and your country Wait, that it was like Wait, it was like a big deal? It, it, was, a, it was a fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, that's... How do you not recognize that as pandering? Oh, it's super, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's why I was talked about, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, she might as well have had on some, like, Tabasco-colored Tims on or yeah. some shit yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, at least it's more believable when she does it than when Hillary Clinton says that she has hot sauce in her bag. What's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just, sauce. Really? You, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that was one of my favorite things, too. She was on The Breakfast Club, I think, when she said that, and no one called her on it. No one was just like, empty your bag. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know, people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Is it working? Just hoping that her bag would spill over and just like a gallon of hot sauce would pour out of it. Like, <laughs> I just picture like a photo album of like kidnapped Eastern European teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Epstein. In a, in a, a pizza shop? <laughs> yeah, in a pizza shop. Okay. Addresses to her favorite pizza shops in New York. Yeah. All right, whatever. So that's the world. Still sucks. Um, everybody still sucks in it, so it's consistent with the theme of this show. Yeah. I suck. We all suck. I mean, yes. Some things I suck. Beak shows. Yeah. I think everybody sucks sometimes. All right, well... That's a good pragmatic place to take a break at. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to have Max talk a little about himself. And then the topic of this show, which is why people that should like each other sometimes fight each other. Oh. Aww. Oh, wow. Aww. It's very apropos. Yeah. Oh, right? Okay. Leftist infighting coming up sure. soon here. All right. There's a real cool club on the other side of town where the real cool kids got to sit around and talk bad about the other kids. Yeah, it's a real cool club, and you're not part of it. There's Bailey, pickles, and patty cakes, too. And Cubby's making me jokes about you. You're not from Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, where, are you, where are you from, Max? I'm from Chicago. All right, Chicago. See, you see how he said that? Like, they just he loves he loves to talk about it. So right now we're giving Max the platform yeah. to talk about Chicago. Do your hot dog thing. Let's hear it. Oh. I mean, Chicago hot dogs are, are the well, fucking also, truth. Also, ketchup <laughs> is a scam. What? That's just like. That's not even a tomato anymore. That's just like... No, it's a condiment. It's, it's a delicious it's condiment. It's food dye and sugar. 
Like, yo, I was n- I was not part of this make ketchup a vegetable movement. I just like enjoy it on burgers and shit. Food is just much much better. Even street food, every little. <laughs> <aspect of it. laughs> it, it, the, the standard, the quality is just much higher. And that's that's where it ranks. Over. If I could drink Soylent and never have to eat anything again, I'd be fine with it. I don't mm. give a shit about food going out of my way for it. If I see people standing in line for something, a it makes me mad, and b it makes me never want whatever they're standing in line for. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is that uh, there's so many options. There are no lines. Shut the fuck up. What are your favorite? What's your favorite food in Chicago? Beria, which is like stewed goat. Um, it's uh-huh. kind of like barbacoa, but it's oh, okay. Chicago hot dogs, like uh, yeah, classic like Chicago beef. Ooh, Ooh. Philly thinks they got some beef. Uh, they how is, they got some steak. How is beef <laughs> different in places? Isn't I don't know. it from the same animal? Yeah. And technically, Chicago beef comes from like Kansas and like Texas and stuff. It just goes it, to Chicago via the rail system. But like, uh, there's like and they beef, get slaughtered there, basically. The the beef sandwich is just like a uh, roll of French bread, uh, like roast beef, not like some Arby shit. Yeah, some bro, like, they have that shit in Boston. No, <laughs> so, so then you put the mozzarella on it, put the jardinier. Oh, okay. And then you dip it. Set in a part. It's not a French dip. Yeah. You get it pre-dipped. So when you lived in Chicago, you, you just get did a, a lot of eating mostly, it sounds like. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, food everywhere. Like, the food is so good. And it's just everywhere. Like, street food, morning food, like, you're on your way to somewhere, you have tamales. Like, it's, like, there's fruit vendors. I don't know, like, I guess, yeah, that, that is a big part of culture too it's yeah. just kind of like you're just going around it's just how you conduct yourself during the day you don't have to make some big event about going out to eat it's like oh I just grab this off the street yeah everything's open late so it kind of changes like your nightlife it changes yeah just yeah. where you are yeah like, you're describing any big city really so but this is still good yeah so you mentioned your, your culture Max why don't you hit us with your intersections so I mean um, I'm Mexican American I would say more Chicano than uh, Mexican uh, just because my family's been in Pilsen in Chicago for four generations. Uh, that's a Mexican-American community. So, like, a lot of people ask me, like, what part of Mexico is your family from? And yeah. it, all over. Because yeah. they're, it's people coming from Mexico, moving to Chicago, and marrying in. Right. So yeah. your point of origin is actually this, like, long-standing Mexican community yeah. in Chicago. And it's, itself. like, very, very Mexican. Very traditional. Yeah. Like, uh, just very authentic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's... it's what was the name of the neighborhood? Pilsen? Pilsen. Yeah. So that's where my family's been for four generations. I spent most of my time, though, in uh, Archer Heights, uh, okay. which is, like, southwest side. But then I went to school in, like, University Village, Little Italy. What yeah. was that like? It was weird, because I had to take, like, an hour bus ride each way to go to school, just because traffic is insane. Uh, it was a magnet school. So that was, like, one of the cool things is... Also, awful things in Chicago public schools is that the school in my neighborhood was terrible. Yeah. So I, I went into a lottery system with my brother, like a literal lottery system, to go to this magnet school closer to downtown. And if we didn't get that, I don't know if I would be in Pittsburgh because I don't know if I would have gone to CMU. And oh, like, damn. So this is really all a scam. Max was led into this school <laughs> on like a, a lottery, and then he got into CMU on a scholarship. So actually, Max has frauded his way all the way here. I mean, Mexicans. They, uh, they take everything from us, right? Yeah. Holy shit. Our lottery position. Took our positions in school <laughs> and shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a literal lottery. Like how many people got led into these schools? I think each year grade for that, it was a K through eight, was like 30 people or so. Oh, damn. So, and that's like from the whole city. So there was people coming from like the north side, south side, west side, all over. 
some people that lived like a block down but mm-hmm. like so that's another reason why the bus rides are so long is because like to get home we'd be driving through all kinds of neighborhoods and uh damn yeah so it, it was weird too because like it was bringing someone like myself who my, my I guess my family's economic position has changed a lot through the years like, yeah starting off I have very young parents and we started off like poor in yeah. an apartment uh, like basement apartment and then moved up with construction my dad was working and like lower middle class so most of the time it was like lower middle class middle class and then at a certain point got kind of wealthy and then the, everything crashed everyone lost their jobs and we got like, closed on 2008 yeah so yeah. it was just like uh, I've been on all different sides of housing and, yeah. and wealth and, yeah uh, so are these schools public yeah it's public okay yeah but they still had a lottery? Yeah. So that's the thing in Chicago. There's a lot of different magnet schools or like specialty schools that you either test into yeah. or you get a lottery into and it's still public. Okay. So, it, it, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds really strange. It's, it's uh, like the chosen ones and you never know who gets chosen. Right, because there's a random lottery component to it. But I guess yeah. you, you said people can test in, so it's like a, you it's get for, annoyed. For, for different schools, yeah. In my case, it was just lottery. Yeah. And, uh, and, you have to, yeah and you have to apply to the lottery, like basically? Yeah. Like you have to want to go to these schools? Yeah, and th- but then... Was there a lot of demand to oh, go yeah. to these schools? Oh, yeah. And like so a lot of people got disappointed that they didn't get to go, huh? Uh, but here's good old, good old corruption. Oh. More, more Mexicans taking shit from, from these whiteies. Uh, my grandpa was kind of, he was like my father figure pretty much my dad um, he passed away recently very young but uh, he was able to get me and my brother into that school he was very politically connected um, and greased the wheels yeah he, he was a federal felon for fixing cases for the Italian mob like hey like straight up cross cultural connection yeah, so between like, Max and my own people I, I was brought up like very Italian American <laughs> yeah I was telling you that my dad's godfather was the don of the Chicago mob and like we would go to like Seven Fishes dinners for, for Christmas and like, like yeah. it, so it was and then like yeah my school was in Little Italy yeah. so it was uh, so you were like a Chicano soprano yeah <laughs> like yeah it was a weird mix and then uh, yeah because my grandpa was just so tight with the Italians alright so, I mean, coming from my own experience, I know that an Italian community, you flip a coin as to whether they go left or right. There was a lot of Italians, where my family's from, like Philly and New Jersey area. Yeah. Some of them were very big into supporting labor movements and not just on like the mafia end of that shit, but like actually in the strikes and like keeping scabs from crossing lines and stuff like that. And then other ones sort of embrace like whiteness and yeah. just like, yeah. f- you know, fuck everybody else, come up with a bunch of different horrible slurs based yeah. off Italian language and well, I mean, blah. unfortunately, those are the people that my grandpa was representing. Yeah. He was close with the, the racist ones. Yeah. Uh, but my grandpa himself was like a very hardcore uh, Chicano rights activist, labor rights activist. So he would do all this dirty work for the Italians, but then like do it for the betterment of his communities, like for Pilsen. Would uh, you say that's how he reconciled that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just kind of like it's I'm doing these things for the betterment of my community. And even though I'm having to like, quote unquote, sell out yeah. or like sell myself to the Italians, it's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a movie type Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, so I don't know, like, uh, my grandpa was just real well respected in those realms, too. Here I am now. Here you are now. Um, what about your dad? Uh, my dad is a racist. Uh, oh. He's, I met his dad. I, I'd, I'd do his dad. My dad is, nice. like, shaved dad, <laughs> super brown, like, uh, no one ever expects <laughs> that he's my dad, because I'm what you call a whale, or a whitey, whitey uh, dog, like yeah, a yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, because uh, I got all my mom's jeans because she's white. 
but I don't know my white side. But uh, yeah, so my dad, he spent a lot of his childhood growing up with the Italians. Yeah. So my grandpa grew up with conservative the Italians too. Yeah, conservative Italians, yeah. really racist Italians. Yeah. Since his godfather was the Don and all his friends, he went to like a Catholic school. So he was with Italians all the time. Okay. So he, he grew up to like be really racist. And like not even like in a way that he would explain his racism. It was just kind of just repeating phrases. Yeah. And How did he... Um, we talked about... Ninja Rome did an episode about our dads. And yeah. We talked about his dad like just being downright ashamed of like being Haitian. Was that the same kind of vibe? It was a weird mix. He always loved to pretend that he was Italian. Yeah. He would never say he was Italian, but it was just kind of like he would go to Italian restaurants. He would know the people and know yeah. the owners and like say the right things. Yeah. He knows this guy, knows that guy. But at the same time, he wore construction his whole life. So yeah. the people he was working with were all from Mexico. So he would speak Spanish on the job to them. So when he's on the job site, very Mexican. When he's off the job site, Italian. Code, Damn, code, code switching, switching, right? Yeah, yeah that's nice. <laughs> yeah, shit. All right, so you obviously do not have the same politics as your dad. No, but I did. Oh, you and did? It's weird because my dad didn't even really have politics. It was he had he had hatred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By another name, you just call that reactionary yeah, politics, he, he right? Yeah, he literally doesn't know how to hold a con- I don't think I've ever once had a serious conversation with him. Yeah. He's, he's a very young guy, too. Hmm. Uh, he's, I think at this point, like 47 or something. I'm 27, I'm an older brother too, so, uh, yeah, so he's just not a smart guy at all. Hear that? Yeah, but my mom, that's where I got some of more of my talking points from. She grew up in New Mexico, she's Russian Jew, but her family switched over to Southern Baptist Mm. halfway through, and she was raised in, like, a, like, on a dirt road, like, middle of nowhere, and she New Mexico's crazy empty. Yeah, so she, she grew up pretty conservative and, uh, yeah, and, and like was big on Reagan and everything. And, like, and she's very educated and, yeah. like, very smart. She used to listen to Rush Limbaugh, like, in the car and everything. And so that's kind of what I grew up on for a good while and just repeating whatever I heard on the radio and then repeating a lot of the racism that I heard from my dad. And my dad is also very, very homophobic, just a bigot in every way you can think. And in many ways, I wanted to repress a lot of things so i was like all right i'm just gonna embrace this i just want to be exactly like my dad my dad rides dirt bikes is nuts drinks all the time he's a very crude guy yeah but then eventually um probably around high school my politics started switching more to the left and then by the time obama came around me and my mom did like a transition at the same time politically and Mm. i'm definitely much much further left than her I, i am a socialist and at most, she's probably like a neoliberal, maybe a, a little bit left of that. Right. So she just preferred the uh, capitalism with the human face that like Obama was pushing. Yeah. 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 So it's cool to see that transition. Yeah. I mean, it's person. something. Yeah. Where my dad is still just a rock. Right. Yeah. Does he not vote? Is he apolitical or is he like Trump? So that, actually, that is one recent development. A lot of his Italian friends and kind of like construction friends that aren't Mexican, they're Irish and Italian. They are very racist and very strong Trump supporters, and mm. he's actually heard a lot of them talking about Mexicans a lot, and like he was still very close to him. Our, we have family in Mexico, we have family friends that are like deported and coming back and shit like that. He will openly say that Trump guy is an idiot, like, yeah, uh, and say he hates Mexicans, but he doesn't know why Trump is bad, other than the, this reactionary like. My friends who support Trump hate Mexicans. Right. So he's basically he's basically just reacting to the negative things that like people say, yeah. which they're emboldened by the rhetoric of the president and all that kind of shit, but without any kind of further analysis as yeah. to like what enables this sort of thing. Yeah. And also because he embraces his Italian 
identity so much. Adjacency. Yeah, adjacency. Yeah. He is the model minority to yeah. a lot of his friends. Oof. Yeah. Like, but he, he doesn't that. talk like white or nothing. He, he talks like a Chicago guy. Huh? Yeah. Sure, but he's still just one more guy that they can point to and say, hey, we know a Mexican guy and he's cool. Yeah, and he's he's real dark-skinned. He has a shaved head. Yeah, if you saw him on the street, you would just think, uh, it's another Mexican guy. Yeah. And uh, even when we were young, like he would get confused as like a gangbanger and shit. And like we our family would get messed with and like... We had, like, broken out windows and, like, dogs let loose in our backyard and all kinds of shit just because they... We do have some family members that are in gangs and things and related to that, but they just assumed my dad was in them, too. Yeah. So, like, in Latin gangs. Uh, yeah, like Latin kings. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, which, which have, you know, a high presence of those in Chicago. Yeah, going, so... Going back to their... Uh, just looking at my dad, it's it's like, oh, that's a Mexican... Probably a bad guy. Probably yeah. a bad Mexican. But you meet him, like, oh, he knows us Italians. Yeah, I yeah. Blended in with the Maragons. All right. So, so you are a, a socialist now. Yeah. It's been a slow, slow transition. Yeah. When, when would you say that you kind of embraced that title? And as you know, we've discussed on this show, socialism is a very broad range yeah. of ideas. Yeah. So where do you place on that spectrum? So, I mean, as far as be coming to that point, I'd actually say I ended up becoming like an AMCOM, like anarcho-communist before I identified as just straight up, I don't know, just general socialist. Mm-hmm. Before um, you got smart. <coughs> before I got smart. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what it was. It was yeah. just like this <laughs> anarcho <laughs> shit, burning <laughs> shit. Yo, that's fucking cool. Yeah. And I like knew I was leftist. So I was like, yo, leftist side of that? Yeah. Fucking dope. Most, most like, I feel like leftists in, in the United States uh, come from point of realizing what they're against mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. before they realize what they're for. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely that's definitely where I emerged from. I was like, I didn't like the war in Iraq. Obviously, that was my first tournament. But I was just like, this, what the fuck? They didn't even attack us. Like all that shit yeah. just didn't make any sense. And like hopping in the anti-war movement because I knew it was against war. But yeah. no um, other framework about how that worked. Yeah, so it kind of started like undergrad. It's yeah. like the slow transition. Uh, Did you have a moment? Actually, the one of the biggest transitions was me coming to terms with my sexuality. Oh. Uh, because then that was like the ultimate release of my identifying with my father. Okay. Uh, because I wanted to be just like my dad. I, that's why even like I became an alcoholic. Like I quit drinking when I turned 21. I started drinking when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. So I just was just mimicking my dad. So once I came to terms with my sexuality, which happened a little bit before college, like end of high school, college was like the moment where I was like, okay, I'm finally free and corny ass, like reinvent myself, college time. Yeah, where it's just kind of like, you know what? I can be wherever the hell I want to be. And uh, for a second, for a short second, I actually hopped into Time Bomb once and some dude was talking about Gary Johnson. Yeah. And he was talking about, yo, freedom, freedom of rights, do whatever you want, smoke weed every day. And I was like, yo, libertarians, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then, so sure, a very short second, I was like, yo, libertarians, that's what's up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, no, never mind. I think I might have had like a whole 30 seconds when I was into the idea of being a libertarian. When, I mean, when it's just pitched to you as like, you get to do whatever you want. It sounds pretty great. Yeah. Like, really? What's not to like about it? And that's when I was going wild with, like, my graffiti and skating. So I was like, punk. Yo, that's on Gary Johnson's so punk. And it's like, oh, wait, no, he's yeah, not. He's not, not, he's not a punk. Yeah. Not he's a punk in the least. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, you went from ANCOM to, I guess, socialist without sort of, like, an identifier. Yeah. And, and that's a subject <clears throat> that's a, that I, I like to talk on a bit. It's just like... Yeah, I that's don't, what we're going to debate here. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like identifying as a certain sect of socialism. Right. I, I, I've gone through all the different sides of it. And 
all of them max not, not all but I, i've looked through a lot of them and i'm just kind of like you had like that two-year period where you're really into juice but i was just watching tons of youtube videos yeah, yeah. That's and fair. uh and i was just this kinda... is how these people spend their free time yeah 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 i mean I what do you watch jerome uh, uh, woke lots of porn definitely <laughs> woke the show that you just started watching like yeah, two right. days ago <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. which you should watch because it's fucking it's fucking great yeah i have yet to do my homework on that one um so i feel like in the scale of like time served as like a socialist or a socialist ideology it goes like me then you and then jerome yeah jerome's like on the other side of the street just like watching. <laughs> yeah just like hey what are those guys doing mm-hmm. <laughs> like just peeking over I'm, I'm on the other side of the street rollerblading and reading a book yeah so normally when these situations come in where it's a different opinion from me but in the same vein we're basically treating the rest of this episode as arguing for jerome's affection yeah. So Ooh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I guess the one romantic side of it too that before I forget, as far as like what kind of helped me get drawn towards socialism and leftist ideologies, is Maximiliano Gonzalez. I was named after Emiliano Zapata. Mm-hmm. My, my grandpa loved Emiliano Zapata as like a labor rights activist, and so during college, I started making more art about Emiliano Zapata, and yeah, I just like started researching him more, researching his politics, researching the Zapatistas, and like I know they're more of like an anarcho-syndicalist thing. So I was just kind of like, ooh. These are fun things, a lot of different sides of it. And yeah, so um, to some degree, I'm like, yeah, I'm named after a leftist revolutionary, like a labor rights revolutionary. Yeah. I guess I should carry that on. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to let your namesake down. Yeah. It would be yeah. a little bit disjarring, I think. Also, in the fight for Jerome's political leanings, Brian started the day with offering me a bag of Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. So uh, I already know which direction I'm yeah, leaning. When, you're, oh, no. when your liberators come... With bullets and bread. That's how you know. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, and, and I'm still on Jerome's bad side. He's still annoyed with me. Yeah. I, I really don't know what exactly like was the, you the know tipping what you point. Did. What was the tipping point? <laughs> We're never gonna go into detail about this incident. Everyone, yeah. everyone listening yeah. to this is gonna be like, what happened? Yeah, I guess so. What could it be? Use your fucking imaginations, folks. I uh, tabletop Jerome. <laughs> I call him a cuck. Oh man, that's I mean, twice that you've used that word now. Yeah, that's oh, you definitely, <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. But that wasn't even close to what annoyed me. Yeah. Um, so when we were doing a little lead up, I guess, planning this episode, you mentioned this idea that you have of socialism in the everyday life, which I guess is central to this socialist without an org sort of idea that you have. So how about you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, socialism is something that's very thoroughly written about. Yes. Um, and there's, I wouldn't say there's rules to it, but it's, you can point back to text and say what it is and what it's not. But it, I really think it's impossible to remove politics from anything. Like, literally, everything is decided by politics. Yes. Um, so, I, I personally think socialism shouldn't have to be inherently the statement of a political identity. They do coincide a bit, like, okay. your, how you conduct yourself daily, but... Your daily actions, your morals, and how you present yourself will inherently reflect your politics because they are interconnected. So I'm just kind of like, all right, how do you conduct yourself as a socialist? How do you remove yourself from capitalist interests? And how do you remove the interest of money from your everyday life and put the interest of people before that? Yeah, how do you? I mean, honestly, the quickest thing, and sounds corny, is just empathy. Yeah. And obviously you can use money like you can share your wealth sure um things like that just giving it to people and and just taking time to listen to people and uh yeah just being there for people and i guess just thinking of people as like a common unit rather than like individual people and like individual sex and it's all for our better interests 
So you're basically just talking about like a life of like altruism yeah. and like thinking about other people yeah. and like less emphasis on sort of like uh, you know the capitalist like modes of relationships that we have. Well, well, I, could, yeah. well, we're talking about people's journey through ideologies and such. In eighth grade, I heard about nihilism and I was just like, that's all I need right there. Are you telling me that there's a thing where I don't have to care about mm. anything? I don't have to care about what I do. I don't have to care about how it affects people. I don't have to care about anything. Because nothing am, matters. Because nothing yeah. matters. I'm a nihilist. So who gives a shit? And honestly, that coupled with South Park coming out and then Cartman uh, repeating this, like the whole like, fuck you, fuck you. I do what I want. Mm-hmm. Like that just, I just tattooed that shit on my heart and was that way for like the next 20 or so years, you know? Yeah. And I, did, I wouldn't say particularly that I came to socialism and I was just like, oh, I should be more empathetic or whatever. It's, it's a lot of like therapy that helped me get there. But now that I'm at the point where I am in terms of like, I used to think of empathy as like an annoying speed bump that some people couldn't get their cars over, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like people get to this point with empathy or whatever and then they can't get past it to get to a goal. To me, empathy is just, it's, it's something on the way to a goal. Yeah, that's a good point. There is like sort of what I feel like is an inherent contradiction in this sort of idea of socialism in one person, right? It's in the name. Like yeah. socialism is a social idea. Yeah. So it requires multiple people to participate. And like, Going around doing good deeds, being a good person, that's basically akin to like living your life as like a charity. And it, it actually has no sort of capacity to affect change because you're just one person, right? Yeah. You need a party or like an organizational body to actually like get things done. And socialism is in essence this massive undertaking, like this transformation of society from a capitalist one to a socialist one going towards a full communist one, which is what anarchists would call utopia. But the thing with anarchy and like anarchism is like they just want to skip that step. Yeah. They don't believe in that transitional phase of, that the state needs to like facilitate. They just think you can smash everything yeah. and then it'll all just work out. They were real hardcore romantics. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's losing with style is what it is. Because like, you can't name an anarchist movement that exists and holds any kind of real power. They would probably tell you that, like, oh, that's not our goal. Like, we don't have... Great. There's still all of this death and destruction and suffering yeah. wrought by capitalism as you're doing your individual anarchy and they just like exist in a parallel. They never cancel each other out. So my, my side of like kind of why empathy in socialism and your individual sense of socialism and how do you conduct yourself is important is just, uh, I, I think it should be coupled with those actions as a group, as a party. Yeah. But it, it's, I'm not religious in any way, spiritual in any way, but I do believe in passing it along, doing something good, passing it along. Not karma necessarily, but just kind of like if you spread positivity out there, it's going to encourage other people to be positive, do good deeds. Just because that's how nihilism gets built. It's just that you see the world around you, you see everyone being hateful, everyone sticking to themselves, even if it might be because of political affiliations, even uh, in fighting with that political affiliation, it becomes nihilist. That's how the anarcho-communists stick to themselves and say, we can't work with anyone else. Everyone else hates us. We hate them. So just showing like, yeah, we understand we... We're, we're, we're going to butt heads about certain things, still trying to be cooperative and recognizing, hey, this is all for our greater good. Yeah. Um, and it does take a huge toll on the individual, though, to have to conduct themselves that way when you are facing racism and bigotry all day, every day. But yeah, that's just kind of like you can't have that political shift until you have a social shift, until you have society as a whole come to a compassionate point. And that's just part of our evolution as, right. a, as a species is that... 
yes, back whenever we were cavemen, we did have to exclusively think for ourselves, think about our interests, because if we didn't, we would die. Yeah. Uh, we It was very, very hyper-competitive, but at the state that we're at now as humans, we don't have to do that. That uh, everyone, yeah. yeah. But I think an anthropologist might debate you on that a little bit and say that, like, obviously the most successful examples coming out of early, early human history were the people that ended up learning how to work together yeah. and developing like sedentary lifestyles where they could build cities and like, you know, build walls and protect themselves like that. The weakest among them were sort of taken care of by the rest of the collective. Yeah. So yeah, that, the individual idea, but the idea of like, it has to start from your own personal wellspring of empathy and shit like that. It's absolutely right. Cause that's what gets somebody to join an org in the first place. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to give up some of my free time, Ugh. right? <laughs> already, that's the bane for most people. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of giving up some of your, your leisure time because we don't have a lot of it. Something you brought up there that I think is really important there is with anthropology and all that and the yeah. development of protections and like a society, it's really easy to step into nationalism with that or like us versus them. And yeah, rather than thinking these people are nice to me, I need to stick with these people. I will better myself and my community and and my people if I stick with these people right. uh, it's, it's detrimental because then it just turns into tons of factions right and yeah so just thinking about a greater good yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah human as a human and there is a tendency I think for tribalism to emerge but tribalism yeah. emerges I think regardless uh, of what system you're living in but at least with Marxist Leninist which is the ideology that I prescribe to there's always a concentrated effort to like sort of diminish that but at the same time Marxist Leninists also have like the space that they hold for nationalism because they're not for what Trotskyites would call a worldwide revolution, because they recognize the fact that the material conditions necessary to precede socialist development are different for every country that exists. So, like, this is one of the biggest fucking disappointments, really, about American socialism in general, is just that we have to spend countless fucking hours arguing about Russian history to see who's right and who's wrong and who's bad. And a lot of shit is fucking pointless and stupid. But there are ideas that drive those historical schisms. And there are, when you look at the ideas in that vacuum, they start to make a little bit more sense. Like, what so, are the, let's just use Pittsburgh as an example. How many socialist groups are there in Pittsburgh and why can't they get on the same page? There are three that I know of in a sort of like official capacity and then there's like a fifth one that's sort of like peripheral presence right Mm -hmm. so there's the DSA Democratic Socialists of America which is what is called a big tent organization like they'll work with everybody they believe that socialist reform comes in incremental reform by working through bourgeoisie electoral systems and shit like that basically in my opinion nothing is going to get done that way because there's just going to be constant arguing from counter-revolutionary forces who don't want to see a push to the left that far so like they have the ability because of how that party is organized to sort of like derail this like DSA caucuses which is where they decide stuff are notoriously big shit shows where everybody just argues for three days at a Hilton or something like that. Before uh, I forget, yeah, to win Jerome over to my side, yeah, and to kind of like just I guess give one one simple action or one simple mindset to start to move yourself over to being more compassionate, more empath, like just having more empathy in your life. Um, to like lean over into socialism, I think the biggest thing is understanding the value of life. Yeah, and. If you don't understand the value of life, it's really easy to hop over to the side of ANCOM and like uh, just the idea of, yeah. of, of thinking my enemy deserves to die. I'm very, very against 
any sort of I, I don't believe anyone should be killed um, I yeah don't, I don't believe in seeking vengeance I hate I think revenge is an awful awful terrible thing and uh, uh, it's one of my least favorite things about Max is that he doesn't encourage revenge yeah. I had to I had to give up revenge in therapy but I, I w- kicking and screaming because god damn do I love nothing better than just like pacing around in a circle and plotting somebody's demise right so I, I'll come back to that. So and uh, to go back to your question, Jerome. There's DSA, and yeah, then there's uh, there's a socialist alternative, yeah. uh, and then there's the the party that I belong to, which is the Party for Socialism and Liberation, uh, and then there I think is a small contingent of Serve the People, which mm-hmm. is like a Maoist group that's in Pittsburgh. I don't know why. This is the one. That's the one that confuses me the most because like the like sort of central difference between like Maoism, what they call Maoism, which is the um, the version of communism that led to the successful revolution in China. Hmm. It was all about working with farmers and like peasants to the front, you know, as like the, the vanguard for revolution. So I have no idea why Maoists are in the city. Like, I feel like yeah. they should be out in the country, like yeah. talking to like, you know, rural America. To Mexican Yeah, but they've completely yeah. abandoned that sector and they just like, you know, <laughs> like that. So, yeah so that's that and then there's then there's socialist alternative and PSL PSL was kind of small but it's growing pretty quickly and social socialist alternative has been like an established presence in the city for a minute um, and then like really the fundamental difference there again is back to stupid fucking interpretations of Western uh, of Russian history they like Trotsky and party socialism uh, party socialism liberation doesn't um, but there is more sort of like, contemporary takes on American politics that like make are worthy of distinction. So for example, like socialist alternative believe that like police unions should be defended because they believe that police are workers and that uh, ha- them having unions gives them an ability to like collectively bargain to maybe be a nicer police force. Mm. Party for socialism liberation is like no. Like until workers control the state, police are not workers. Like, do not support their unions. Um, Dang, that sucks. Cause there's this guy in socialist, whatever fucking alternative thing. He's cute as shit, but if he wants, <laughs> he thinks that. Oh, but then Max is saying <coughs> cops are people. So then, yeah. So that's another thing that I want to get back to is like you can't. I don't think. I think it's a naive position to have this idea that like no one's gonna die uh, in these sort of like process, like in the process of revolution, like. People, yeah. are, people are going to die. I mean, but I guess the rather than recognizing, no one should think that anyone deserves to die. Yeah. Um, but it, and when it comes down to it, until we have a definitive answer on to what happens after you die, I don't think anyone <laughs> should have the right or ability to kill someone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's because, nice, nice to think that. Well, just because it, it's, it's taking the position of God into your hands, and that's a big role. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. But, you could also view it as just animal activity and yeah. remove the divine from it completely. But I, I mean, in the way that, I don't know, it's, it's insane to me that people think that death is a form of punishment, a, a reasonable form of punishment. There is no coming back from that. I, I'm a very strong believer of uh, reformative justice. Right. Um, and there's a big difference between justice and revenge. So we're not, I don't, we're not talking necessarily about crime and punishment within a socialist state. We're talking about like the actual process of engaging in a revolutionary struggle. Yeah, but right? in that revolutionary struggle, um, if there's a certain point that the revolution decides that certain people need to be executed, that's when that comes in. Yeah. You have a historical example that you're thinking of here because most people would probably argue that the people that were executed in these revolutions were counter-revolutionary forces who yeah. were trying to like, you know, sustain monarchies. Yeah, or yeah no, I, I mean, yeah, like they were the opposition yeah. and they 
they were willing to kill. Oh their yeah, opponent. and I mean they did it for a specific reason. They were trying yeah. to protect the you know the interests of the capitalist yeah. class. Like a lot, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people don't. Is that after the Russian Revolution began, there was like seventeen different imperialist nations that sent like battalions of troops there to like help put it down, yeah. to like fight with the Tsar and shit. The England, France, United States, Japan, like Germany have been antagonistic towards socialism like from the jump. Yeah, yeah. I guess the the big difference for me is just if someone does get killed, it should never be from the position of they deserved to be killed. It, but it can be from the position of they needed to be killed. Yeah. Uh, but not that that somehow justice came out of that act. Well, if so, killing someone that needs to be killed isn't that justice? Justice for who though? For the revolution. But if it, that if the person that's being killed is a direct threat to the gains of the revolution. I mean, but do you inherently have to kill them? Though? I don't Max know. wants to take prisoners. Yeah. Who's who's paying for all these prisoners that we're keeping? Uh, Where are you? Uh, how? Yeah. And how are you going to manage that system while you're engaged in an for, active struggle? <laughs> for uh, the uh, reparations for Breonna Taylor's family. Taxpayers. Taxpayers. Yeah. But the, you're you're still you're like skipping ahead still like yeah. you're going to like when there's like a socialist state established already. We're talking about winning the yeah. battle necessary to fight. But I, I guess, state. but it's also from the beginning too, as far as just how you conduct yourself and how, as a society, people can lean towards socialism because yeah. uh, the whole ideology of get what's mine, take what I deserve, can boil down to thinking this person needs to die. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to get what I need. And that's how you get war. That's how you get people invading other countries for oil. That's how you get down to that and how you can rationalize those things. So if you, you need a societal shift in morals to even get the vast majority of people on board. To well, think. I mean, I would argue that the socialist revolutions that occurred in the 20th century were the sort of like praxis of a vast shift in morales. Yeah. The difference is that those revolutions were guided by what they called like a vanguard party. Yeah. But I mean, they were in a even more quote-unquote advanced time a more this is true global period of, of our lives are all much much more interconnected this is we're true not individual nations this is true and we're also living in the middle of one of the slickest propaganda machines to ever exist we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about cultural hegemony and how it functions in this society and to get people to even think like a socialist is hard which is why you see so much infighting among well, the left you say to get States. people to think like a socialist is hard and this is where I say where rebranding comes in because nobody wants to be a socialist they damn sure don't want to be communist yeah I mean I, I, this is another thing that we argue about a lot and I think that there's validity to what you're saying like I've told you that before but I also feel like the terms specifically refer to something that is sort of conceptual and like able to be comprehended once you get it and then then the terms they lose that sort of stigma. This is my feeling, at least. And I think you you do see people who are more willing to identify as, well, as those we, things. Well, the three of us had a conversation pretty recently, I feel like, where we talked about the steps yeah. to socialism or whatever. And the first step is sort of where Max is talking about just getting your mindset in this place of yeah, stop, empathy and all this kind of stuff. Not being a selfish piece of shit. And, and, and to me, this maybe isn't the case, but to me, that the step that comes right after that is fucking nerdy people who are like really jazzed about the socialism stuff throwing jargon at you yeah. and all this kind of shit and it's just like damn dude you had me but like I, I can't keep up I can't keep up with all this theory nerds theory so, nerds I was yeah. thinking about this a little bit more and I was like how do you get uh, the right wing evangelicals on board and I was like I was like oh wait shit they're already reading socialist <laughs> propaganda 
Jesus. Yeah. Mean, yeah. I'm like, but like, it's as simple as like making it. I mean, it takes a lot of work, but if you boil it down to them, it's like, all right, if Jesus was around today, because obviously socialism, capitalism weren't defined things back then. Yeah. Which camp would he fall into? Which would he'd he be, be a proponent? Com- Jesus would be a communist. Yeah. So he would be a proponent of socialism. Mm-hmm. He would not be a proponent. Of no, capitalism. I mean like, he, but he would be. He, he's not a mixed market socialist. Yeah. Like yeah. He's he's a full on communist. Yeah. Like we're yeah. going, we're moving towards like stateless, classless, egalitarian society. Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. as far as just getting those people on board, I'm like, oh shit, they're already reading. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I saw. The, a I mean, re- they're not reading it. I saw. Like, but, <laughs> I saw. A really good tweet this woman um was describing like growing up in the south and she was like baptists were the ones who like came to our neighborhoods with like food and like winter clothing they didn't bring theory but they brought bible so we yeah. all went to church yeah. and like that's it and that that goes back to what i think is missing a lot from american quote-unquote socialism in practice is we're so focused on like standing on soapboxes and having the correct opinion mm-hmm. and like you know giving people the finger wag and like telling them all this fucking horrible shit that capitalism does but we're not helping them and like we're not doing anything you know to improve the material conditions of their lives so they don't care like they have no reason to come mm-hmm. to the table and learn more about this shit mm-hmm. uh which is one of the reasons why i joined the PSL. Because they had this thing going on called the Unemployment Council, which was like literally out on the streets every weekend, like helping people who didn't have internet access or computer access sign up for state benefits, as well as just being like sort of a meeting place for workers who had like problems or grievances with their employers to come talk to people who had experience organizing around those problems and and like as a way of combating those problems and helping them out like we helped the crazy mocha like baristas organizing and mm. do picket in front of one of their new locations and we're still in communication with them we're ready to do it again like yeah. if they need help that kind of component has to be there and that's directly fed by what you're talking about like socialism in the everyday i have to have empathy for the plight of these crazy mocha baristas for me to want to go get up at eight in the morning, drive out to Oakland and stand in a picket with them yeah. for like two hours and like pass out flyers after that. One of the only uh, PSL demonstrations that I attended was like the national... Yeah, the national thing. party one for the rent moratorium. Right, and so this was over in Garfield and there's a park right behind, there was kids everywhere, there was like some sort of event that was happening where there was like a gathering of black people mm-hmm. happening off in the distance. It's like a church barbecue. Church barbecue. Captive audience. Like right. Yeah. And... The PSL was giving testimonials, and this isn't this isn't in particular shade, but you could see people come over and listen. Some people stay for a little bit yeah. longer, and then just fucking leave and just be like, because I was watching, I was just watching, yeah. like observing this shit or whatever, and like it just wasn't penetrating the people. Whatever was being yeah. talked about, it wasn't penetrating. And once again, it's, I think it was because like plain language wasn't being used enough. Yeah, I, um, I would agree. And going back on that action, and this is a principled self-critique of my own party, uh, which every good socialist should already like be in the habit of doing. There were moments where we reached the people. Correct. Like, there were speakers that spoke to mm-hmm. their reality and like, you know, it, it hit. But sometimes socialist groups have a tendency to go too wide when they're talking mm-hmm. to like the working class like the common people mm-hmm. yes as like a committed Marxist someone who reads that kind of theory and like you know is well versed in like the problems and contradictions of capitalism can be like yeah sure of course like this rent moratorium connects directly to like you know US foreign policy in Latin America and like they're you know they're all part of the same beast but mm-hmm. to the average person they're not no one cares like no one no one generally knows what's going on 
outside of their own immediate social circle. So like to reach Americans, you're going to have to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. part of our material reality. Even still in my, in my head, uh, I forget who I was talking with recently or whatever, but uh, we were all sort of like trying to define simply like what capitalism was or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like people can't even do that. Uh, So when you're starting your conversation talking about capitalism, this and class structure, this, you lost people at the word capitalism, yep. period. I can understand high concept things, but if I don't even, I, a lot of times I like the root. And if I don't know like the root of the thing, then you've lost me. If, yeah. you, if you've just gone on talking about all this stuff, whatever, you might be doing great. I'll be like, yeah, those like red shirt dudes come and clean my neighborhoods or whatever, but I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're trying yeah. to get me to be a communist. I don't know what the fuck that's about. Yeah, that's all accurate. There is something to say about consistency uh, and like, um, you know, being there on a regular basis like doing that kind of work Mm -hmm. because after a while people do sort of warm up to your presence Mm -hmm. and like we you know in Garfield we've been there since like March like every Saturday like people know that we're gonna be there and they'll be able to refer like people from their community that are having these problems like oh those people in the park they'll help you out and like it doesn't happen all the time but we'll say like one out of every ten will come and like what's socialism you know, and then we get to sit and have a conversation with them. Yeah. And sometimes it works, sometimes it sticks, and sometimes it doesn't. But usually what I'm finding is that when you're still out there just like helping folks and like doing those kind of good deeds, the politics don't really matter so much. Like they're just like, these people are here to help. Like these people are, you know, is that true? It. Because if somebody came to that same neighborhood and there were a bunch of like MAGA shirt people and they were still trying to do the same thing, would their good deeds even be accepted i don't know i don't even know what that looks like right right because like what we're what we're trying to do with yeah what we're trying to do with the unemployed council is consistent with our ideology like Mm -hmm. all the way to the bottom Mm -hmm. you know and like manga like those people are they're right-wing borderline fascists like they're not for equal opportunity they're not for sharing they like they think the poor should literally die Mm -hmm. like so it's it's hard to Right. Oh. Yeah. It's hard to imagine like a bunch of MAGA dudes going out there to do anything to help them. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe if that exists in like kind of homogenous small town white communities and shit like that, they're just I mean, they're doing socialism, but they're just completely misguided about what to call it or like what it actually is. So like churches do that shit all the time. Churches have socialist like organizational models that they implement like mm-hmm. constantly. But they just do it on a religious background because Jesus wants them to do that. And after he's already established, Jesus was a communist. Oh, yeah. I, I, gosh, during this conversation, I was just like, oh, has anybody made like a shirt with uh, Jesus? Tons. Doing a fist and saying like Jesus is a black communist. Yeah, there's so much of that shit out there. Some of it's pretty dope. I have. Oh, yeah, I've I've seen some great like Jesus Gravis where he looks like uh, Thomas Sankara, who yeah. is like the Marxist Leninist leader of Burkina Faso, uh, like mustache beret, like Jesus. all that kind of shit. It, it's just pretty pretend hard. you didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, because I, I haven't seen it, and I would like to make something to piss people off. So yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, look at me trolling. Look at me getting enjoyment out of trolling. Trolling for justice, but not my friends, yeah. the enemies. Yeah. So my my counter argument. Oh, counter argument to earlier point about. Um, the need for a very fast reactionary movement. That, I don't want nothing to do with no, reactionaries. No, no, no. It's, like, like, <laughs> I mean, it's not reaction. I don't know. Because you were talking about like one different socialist group. They're not pushing for like... Oh, the DSA. Yeah, the DSA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're more like a, a horizontal approach. Yeah. And like if you are not into whatever so some not, other I'm group is doing. I'm not advocating for that, but I equally don't think that there needs to be this giant step of telling someone 
you need to hop from being apolitical or on the right to just to being a socialist. Marxist Leninist, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you too. And this is actually the area of the conversation that I want to kind of close out this episode with is like what is wrong with different leftist groups working together? What is really the problem? You're asking us, you're ego, the group. Ego. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> I have no problem with it. And like as far as I know, the only the only group that the party I belong to is ever like officially disavowed was this group called the Red Guards, who they basically just see as provocateurs because they literally assaulted PSL members in Austin, mm. Texas, mm. like a couple years back. Mm. That's it. Everybody else is just like, yeah, you guys are wrong about certain things. Like you guys support American interventionism just like a little bit too much. You guys aren't doing enough. Like this idea that like this sort of like radical social change can come through electoral reform is misguided. But we're not gonna shit on their efforts that actually like help people. You know what I mean? We're not gonna stand in the way. So, so what you're saying is I need to moderate a round table of all the socialist groups in the area. I think it would be nice. Get yeah. them to, I'm mostly just going to tell people to shut up when they're boring me. Yeah. Well, it's uh, because they don't actually believe in their own beliefs and morals. It's a lot of ego and idealism. I would counter that they believe in it too much. Well, in the way that they, they believe in it for their group. Oh, yeah, they or for them. For them. Yeah. They, they are still, it's a lot of tribalism. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, they want to just be hyper-idealist, and it's just, well, no, this isn't about you. Yeah. This is about society. This is about people other than you. Yeah. Um, so just stop focusing on yourself. It's ego. Right, yeah. right, right. And then this comes back to something that we've talked about the very first like uh, protest in Pittsburgh after George Floyd was murdered, where that little anarchist kid like smashed the cop car and mm-hmm. like burned it down. Right. Mm-hmm. Now all of the you know, all of my comrades were just like Sucks for that kid. Like, he, he better run. Like, better hide. But we weren't, like, about to condemn him or snitch him. We were like, you should have, like, yes, you should have probably listened to the organizers who didn't want you to do that. Like, that was a, that was a bonehead move. Right. But watching all of these, like, well-to-do liberals, like, literally doing the cops' work for them, like, yeah. passing his photo out, like, all this kind of shit, th- that really, mm, really made it clear to me, like, how much work is left to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that we just... We can't even, like, live with punching sideways if it's coming from another party. Like, this kid, all he did was smash a cop car, like, burn it down. That's another moment of tribalism. Yeah. And, yeah, just, like, a lack of empathy and dehumanizing. We're just, like, the for the the liberals, they're like, well, he's no longer one of us. Right. He he committed violence. Yeah. So now, so we don't value his typical. Life typical yeah, we don't value his life anymore. Typical liberal shit. Whenever right. somebody fucks up, you toss them aside, yep. and they're no longer good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. and, and I guess touch back on my personal <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, which I, I could talk about myself forever. Could you? But uh, no. Right. I hate myself. In my personal experience, I think that uh, redemption, reformative justice, and just change is possible. Yeah. Uh, for myself, some, coming from someone who is this very repressed uh, queer, um, that, that was just racist and homophobic and mm-hmm. awful and an alcoholic and just It's like a cloak. Yeah, it was a cloak. And, and the sudden shift was just my understanding of empathy. And I was like, whoa, shit, like all this is a lie. Yeah, my my path to empathy 
was, like I said, being a selfish person my entire life. And then the risk of being canceled is what got me on track. She's like, oh, do I have to start treating people like human beings or nobody wants to be around me? Yeah. Look at that. I've never even, people talk about this whole being nice to people stuff all the time. I've never given it a try. So let me see what this is all about. But that's just another moment. It's just saying it's possible to change. Oh, yeah. Never write anyone off is like you can't be one of us anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah, you might have had a fucked up past, but people can change. One of um, my, yeah. like, favorite, you know, little quotes from, like, uh, you know, a historical communist, right? Che Guevara, right? Yeah. T-shirt man. Who's Ooh. that? T-shirt man. No, is that Bob Marley? Yeah, it's Bob Marley. Oh, okay. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, one love. No. He yeah. said, uh, <laughs> a true revolutionary is guided by feelings of great love. Yeah. And like, it's simple. I think he said that at the UN or maybe he might even be talking to Malcolm X, like when he went to Harlem uh, in like the 60s. But like, it that's true. Like in order to put everything on the line to like risk your own safety, uh, your own life in some cases, just so you can elevate the masses of people to a better standard of living. Like you have to be motivated by the love of humanity to yeah. want to do that. And that's like, sure you remove the ego. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, that's a whole other conversation with, like, cult of personality, like, with it that emerges in some... And, like, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of evidence that maybe some of the historical instances that we say are, like, crazy cult of personality, like, in, in socialist countries in the 20th century. A little overblown, right? But maybe not. Like I said, another they have cool hats. Yeah, they do have cool hats. But there is something to say there that's fundamentally different than what people say. Like, the horseshoe theory, if you're... On the one end and the very far right, and then one end and the very far left, you're the same? No, absolutely no. not. Yeah, no. If you are on the very far right, your entire ideology is about, we talked about this in the last episode, holding shit down with violence mm-hmm. to make sure that the elite that run your country are still in control and that everything that the body politic underneath them does is to support that. But then on the left, like, it's not about turning people into the state, right? It's about turning the state into the people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're going to make sure that the courts, that the legal system, that the, the means of production are all here to benefit the masses of that country, that nation. And that's fundamentally different than what fascists want to do. Couldn't be any more different. Yeah. So just because authoritarian tendencies emerge when you have a big enough state with enough people to manage, like that happens. And those can be definitely like scrutinized and uh, dissected and, and analyzed for how good of practice that can be. Right. There's obviously mistakes that have happened, but and, and, the I mean, motivation comes back down to societal conditions and <clears throat> intentions. Like yeah. if the person inherently isn't altruistic about their, their beliefs, uh, if there is a little bit of ego behind it, then yeah, if they get that position, they're going to be influenced by it. But equally, uh, if the people surrounding them aren't expressing empathy and love around For them, sure. then, then they're not going to put that out there. So, sure. um, or hold then, them accountable or, or yeah. make them... Yeah. So that, that's yeah. why even beyond that, if we don't have that societal shift of empathy and just one love, if we don't, have, love. If we don't, if we don't get to that point... Our environments and our, our morals will just, they're always going to be corrupt. So yeah. uh, the personal relationships that those people in power have yeah. will influence them and will change their actions. You know what the key to getting everybody to be socialist is? 
Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love? <laughs> that song, when it came out, I hated everything and everyone. I'm like, how can you listen to this fucking dribble just talking about loving everybody? This is trash, and yeah. it's, this song sucks. It, the song still sucks. What was the song that was released after 9-11? With my like all of the No, was it my hopes? <laughs> was that song about 9-11? Um, no, there was like a song, it was like one of those ones where like every single famous person in the world like sings a line. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Bono was in it. Yeah, sure. Justin Timberlake. I think they even got Fred Durst on the oh. track. Shit, I forgot. We should this. find this and use this yes. as the fucking outro to this episode because, like, that shit is is over and done with. Like, we're we're not. The no more of this fucking like toxic positivity is gonna no. like fix everything. Mm-mm. No more of this like rigid tribalism and idealism is gonna fix everything. We all have to punch at capitalism at the same time. And right now, if we're all gonna do it from different directions, like if the anarchists are gonna be out in the streets doing the little smashy smashy, like let's let's torch a cop car, let's like let's loot a Chase Manhattan bank fucking go for it i do not give a shit right now it's all hurting the same beast so like even even like dsa as much as i think that you know they're doing this like impossible task and moving slow as fuck while doing it whatever can't can apply all pressure the, like can all the way. socialist people like get together and then just divvy up like responsibility based on your yeah, idealism yeah you would think you so know? you would think so but like some people just like again they get really really fucking dogmatic and like stuck in like this interpretation of history that they think disavows some other kind of stuff and like really it all comes down to what ideas specifically you agree with or at least it should over like then then historical characters then do a goddamn venn diagram figure out what's in the middle and figure out what's extraneous based on everybody's beliefs and then get rid of that shit everyone just go back to marx it's just yeah, yeah. Marx and Lenin. Yeah. Like I, I really like I really I'm you know I'm an ML so like that's I, Lenin. I just be, I do really believe that like the state is needed as a transitional body. But like, I mean, if we're gonna try to reach that common goal, it's just all right, let's just all go back to Marx. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, if we are actually trying to say we support what we support, it shouldn't be about these individual circumstances individual countries and yes those are important learning points but let's just get back to the core of it before we move forward right and i think another thing that we'll end this episode with that people should really consider is that we are not russia in 1917 we are not china i know big shocker right (laughs) we're not china post world war ii like we are in a completely different time and space working with completely different material conditions so the path to socialist revolution is not going to be the same it's not going to look like that it's going to be on tiktok it's going to be on tiktok unless china shuts down tiktok usa instead of instead of selling it to trump which i think they said they were going to do they, and you know what honestly purchased or it wasn't an official purchase oh, no. so it was, sticking it was it's not microsoft but it was somebody else yeah. i thought the chinese government was going to say no to that they no. said no to microsoft but then they ended up um doing a partnership rather than a sale to like oh okay so they still get to like steal the data and mine <laughs> like subvert the united uh, states but one last, one right. one respect to yujing before <laughs> one other societal shift we need all right is just heteronormativity and monogamy are inherently corrupt whoa how do you drop this bomb on us we're supposed to end this episode in like five minutes these concepts of ownership yeah possessiveness yeah if those exist in the relationships that we have with people and understanding (laughs) ourselves as a common human okay those will influence us in our politics oh for sure 
I mean, there's a, a, a Marxist philosopher and a feminist scholar, Silvia Federici, an Italian. Oh, cool. Yeah, so she wrote about that in this book called Caliban and the Witch. Really good book, highly recommend. Where, like, she just basically described the original sort of, like, domination of the patriarchy, like, yeah. man over woman, as a form of primitive accumulation. Yeah. Like, the man becomes the bourgeoisie of the house yeah. and the woman is the proletariat. So she does all this work in exchange for this, you know, exploitative wage of, like, you just get to live yeah. here. Uh, and then, you know, we steal all the surplus value. That yeah. So, like, I even think connecting those sorts of things to Marxist language and, like, Marxist understanding is necessary. And let's it's all, all, all part of that reaching the people. Let's just all be subs. Let's all be bottoms. That's what I take. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> I Look, dude, I'm ace. Man. I have no opinion on well, sex, like, yeah. whatsoever. I we, don't we, care. We believe our understandings of, of what a relationship is. Yeah. A relationship isn't ownership. It's... No. Yeah. Uh, but and then equally that ties into your politics. Yeah. Uh, it should. Your your comrades. Yes. They can you can have relationships. Comrades is a gender neutral term. Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah, just reinventing, rebranding the term of relationship. In end heterosexuality, that's yeah. my standpoint. It's, it's yo, heterosexuality sucks. Yeah. You can still make babies and not be hetero. Yeah. You know. To get that it's shit all out of here. It's all right, this episode took a turn. It uh, did, but that gave you a subject for the Twist one. ending, yeah, I guess we're now having... Jerome this is how... Talk about his hatred. This is, yeah, this is Max's, shit. like, backdoor pilot into getting his own podcast where he yeah. just talks about the shit. Uh, Queer talk with Max. Jerome, you got that one. Yeah. Nah. Oh. All right. I, I think just you, recorded the podcast before this one. I got a blunt to smoke. That's what I got. Yeah, Jerome does a lot already with the podcast world, Max. Do you need to do more. Do you think Jerome still... Has me canceled. I don't know. I think you guys should hug, and that's how we'll. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and that's how in the episode, audience members, Jerome is shaking his head. No, I've never hugged Max in like the four or five years. We've oh well, then perfect time to do it. Let's go. Come on. Come that's on. Gross. Come on. Anyways, uh, that was Q and A. No, yeah. this was everyone sucks here. Yeah, this was an episode of Everyone Sucks Here with uh, Max. Hey, hey we talked about stuff. Stop fighting each other and fight the real enemy. Ciao, Bella. All right, goodbye. <laughs> Why can't we be friends? 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 I seen ya, I seen ya, I seen you around for a long, long time. I really, I really, I really remember when you drank my wine.